0: down. I'm okay. And then I found myself in the street with a penis in one hand and a knife in the other. All the souls claimed by the rifle would come back to haunt her. They all belong to Charlie. The
1: story of the victims,
0: it has to be told. One Hi, I'm Trevina. And I'm Stephanie. And welcome back to Not Your Mama's Fairy Tales, where we are reexamining true crime through a feminist lens, no longer looking at the women of true crime as submissive, helpless females, necessitating a prince charming.
1: And welcome back to our listeners. We've taken quite a hiatus, but we're back. for at least a three-part series. <laughs> um, as we mentioned last year, I'm getting my Master's of Science in Legal Studies at Cornell Law, and I plan to graduate in August of this year. So as part of my capstone requirements for graduation, I'm exploring a three-part series where I'll look at the structure of the Italian mafia families in comparison to the corporate structure of established companies like Gucci. Um, I specifically will be comparing the crime uh, the crimes of mafia women such as uh, Santa maresca better known as the god as the godmother um, and also patricia Regiani, reggiani known as lady gucci these crimes um, whose crimes affected the uh, gucci corporation and her daughter's inheritance from the company um, through this podcast series and my research i hope to shed some light on the role that these women played within their respective um, companies and i put that in quotes and how that role may have led them to become murderers. As with all of our podcasts, I'll aim to show that the women of these stories are strong, smart, and capable, and not submissive or helpless females. So let's dive into the case of Asanta Papetta Moresca, primarily looked at through Barbie. Latsta Nadau's book, The Godmother, Murder, Vengeance, and the Bloody Struggle of Mafia Women. So Asanta Maresca was born January 19, 1935, in Castellamar de Sabia, uh, a town south of Naples in Camp- Campania, the only daughter of Alberto Maresca, who was a well-known smuggler for the Camorra. For a little background, the Camorra originates in the region of Camp- Campania, it's one of the oldest and largest criminal organizations in Italy, dating back to the 17th century. Other criminal organizations that you might have heard of, uh, common to Italy, are the uh, Cosa Nostra in Sicily and the Dringata in Calab- Cal- Calabria. Uh, the Maresca family were known as the Lamparetti or lightning strikes, which was a n- name for their deadly efficacy of their signature switchblades used to both threaten and kill so it's no surprise that Asunta's first trouble with the law was in primary school when she knifed the daughter of another local criminal Uh, the charges were dropped when the victim suddenly refused to testify
0: did she refuse to testify or was she made an offer she couldn't refuse right i don't know i don't know
1: um when Asunta was 19 years old she uh, won a local beauty pageant, which drew the attention of an um, uh, emerging Camorra boss, Pasquale uh, or Pasqualone uh, Simon- Simonetti. Pasqualone El or Big Pas- Pasqualone was six feet tall with black hair and towered over his little doll, which is where Asenta's nickname Pipetta is derived. Um, so Pasqualone was a classic underboss for the Camorra at the time they met. Well dressed and ruthless, at the time they met, Pasqualone lorded over the vegetable and green grocery racket in the heart of Neapolitan farmland, which at the time produced a quarter of a million dollars in annual profits, which around which would be about two point two million in today's money. So this is back in the uh, what late nineteen forties. Um, being in this field also allowed Pasqualone in the international trade and smuggling industry. Pasqualini began to dabble in contraband cigarette distribution, which the cigarette um, distribution in Italy was a byproduct of the black market that was created when the American and British soldiers ceased to be stationed in Naples. In 1952, Pasqualini was arrested and sentenced to eight years in prison for the attempted murder of Alfredo Maisto, who was an associate turned rival who was edging into his cigarette territory. So this is just like all the stories that you've heard. <laughs> um, while in prison, Pasqualino and Pepetta exchanged love letters, and within days of his release, Pasqualino began courting Pepetta. Pasqualino and Pepetta were married April 27, nineteen fifty five, and Pepetta at the time said that she was determined after they got married that they would leave the life of crime and do something less risky. Um, however, it's questionable whether that would have ever even been possible for the
0: two of them. It's really romantic. You know, you have this <laughs> cigarette man and <laughs> his... Be courted from yeah, prison. Yeah, beauty queen <laughs> wife. It sounds like a TV show, right? Love After Lockup, Right. Yeah. yeah. 1952 yeah. I think they
1: have... There are some movies about it. Um, I was reading in the book that I read, they talked about there is a movie that was made um, in Italy that talks about her story. Um, but it is in Italian, and I couldn't really find one that was translated to English, and unfortunately, since I don't understand Italian, um, <laughs> I was like, well, I could watch it, but I won't understand it. It's a beautiful language, but everything uh, sounds
0: like food. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Um, so just over two months later, after uh, Pasqualina got out of prison in mid-July, um, he was going to the local market to collect protection money and distribute, distribute favors. Um, I'm sorry, two months after their wedding, not after he got out of prison. Um, While he was there, he was gunned down while peeling an orange. Papetta was called to the emergency room, and at the time she was in her first trimester of pregnancy. She was now weeping at the bedside of her beloved. Between his last ba- breaths, Pascalone told Pepetta that the shooter was Gaet- Gaetano Orlando, one of their wedding attendees, and a gun for hire for Pascalone's rival in the vegetable market racket, Big Tony. At Pascalone's funeral just days later, Pepetta vowed upon his grave to avenge his death. It was also that day after the funeral that she decided she was no fool and would not let Big Tony use this to elevate his position in the ranks. She took the gun from Pascalone's nightstand and carried it with her from the day that she buried her husband
0: until the day she used wait, it. Wait, wait, wait. So the, the guy that killed him, the last name was Orlando? That's yes. the same That's the last name of the guy that shot Tupac. Oh, that's funny. I'm pretty sure it was
1: a different person, uh, but, but maybe not. You don't, you don't he know. was a gun for hire. Maybe as a relative. I don't know. <laughs> we'll look into that one next (laughs) the next event can be best read directly from the book the godmother so on the day that would set the course of Pepetta's life she had asked her 13 year old brother Ciro to come with her to the cemetery to lay flowers on pascaloni's tomb as remains the custom for new widows in this part of italy for a year after her husband's death the driver nicola Visicoto was also going to stop by the market square where Pascalone was killed so Papetta could pick up some produce, which was given to her for free. On the way to the market, she spotted Big Tony coming out of the busy coffee bar on the Cosa Corosa no- Novara, not far from the square where her husband was shot. She asked Nicola to pull over her to pull her fiat over. And he slouched low behind the steering wheel while Pepetta waited. Once Big Tony was walking down the Cosa Navara, she asked Nicola to drive up to him. Nicola stopped the car, and Pepetta jumped out and started shooting. A gunfight ensued, and Pepetta, protected by the car, easily escaped any harm. The driver didn't see anything. He told the police he and Ciro were both later tried and convicted for assisting for acting as associates to the murder. Papetta initially claimed that she had, that he had tried to open the car door and pulled her gun only in self-defense. She claimed not to remember pelting Big Tony with what the police claim were 29 bullets, insisting that it was just one or two shots from the back of the car delivered without fear. It's a little dramatic.
0: <laughs> just one or two shots. I'm loving how Italian this story is. The Fiat, yes. <laughs> the peeling and orange, the right. coffee shop. This yeah. is, I mean, chef's kiss. It's everything, everything you wanted everything
1: I to wanted. be, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so, unfortunately, Peppetta was later ratted out and arrested for the murder of Big Tony. And the trial consisted of 85 witnesses who all claimed that they had seen nothing. But throughout the trial, Peppetta showed no remorse and instead um, insisted instead told the court that she would do it again if she had the chance going into the trial papetta's attorney tried to go for the self-defense defense however without papetta showing remorse it became clear that it was not an effective defense so instead they went with the defense which in italy is referred to as the diletto per amor or an honor killing
0: so does that translate to like revenge for for love
1: hmm cool. um so crimes like these to defend one's honor after heartbreak are so common in Italy that they were even considered an extenuating circumstance um, in enhancing until the 1990s, uh, meaning that the actions of the person might be viewed as a less severe or therefore their culpability would be diminished during sentencing um, because it was... Because of heartbreak after the nine after the 1990s though it became more difficult to get this extenuating circumstance but it's not impossible in modern times and has been used by husbands who killed their
0: cheating wives oh the italians have such a flair for the dramatics i i would know i've been married to one for almost almost 10 years
1: (laughs) yeah they so they still have in modern time defense they have defenses in italy where um a man can get off For killing his wife if she cheats
0: can now can the woman get off for killing the man if he cheats i know so they're debatable there's
1: there's some within the book it kind of goes back and forth in regards to that where it's like the if if the man cheats, no, it's like an acceptable thing, especially if he cheats with somebody who is within the mafia ranks. If they, if the person he cheats with is at the same level or under where he is within the mafia, um, then the cheating is acceptable. Um, but we'll get into a little later. One of the things that's not acceptable is for somebody um, to be a rat right and so if a wife were to kill her husband because he was a rat and ratted out somebody else in the mafia not that that's accepted legally but it is more acceptable within the mafia so something on that so uh at the time that pepetta committed her first murder men in italy were permitted to by law to carry out honor killings if their wives betrayed them uh, it wasn't until the 1990s that the Murder, uh, inspired by a raptus, the Latin word for seized, often referred to as jealousy caused by a woman's blatant action, was outlawed. So that was um, for men. It was it's like a for a woman to cheat on the man. It's like a blatant action.
0: And so just to clarify, this is an actual law. This isn't like mafia code or mafia mo-
1: This is an actual law. Yeah, yeah, So this part is an actual law in Italy. Rarely is a man's lack of control over his feelings of ownership of a woman ever mentioned. Very interesting. So even in 2021, femicide in Italy is actually quite rampant with one woman murdered by a man uh, she was previously, uh, by a man she had previously loved for only three days. So they had only been together for three days. She quote unquote cheated on him and he murdered her. In three days. So it's still – although the, all this stuff that's happening with Pepeta and her, like, avenging her husband's death is one thing, men murdering women um, for cheating on them and, and things like that is still um, – to get back to Pepetta, Pepetta was quickly found guilty and was sentenced to 24 years in prison, which was reduced on appeal by 13 years to 13 years and four months. The spectacle also catapulted her into the icon status in Neapolitan circles, and she became known as Lady Camorra um, and the original madrina or godmother. Pepetta ended up serving less than 10 years in the Naples notorious uh, Pogo Real prison, which uh, winning a somewhat somewhat suspicious pardon in 1965 although she denies that she would have ever made any sort of deal with the police as the reason that she was pardoned
0: so at at this point with her um you know her husband's dead is she still very much in the it seems like she's very much in the mafia lifestyle still that she has Mm. a long reach yeah
1: so the um pogoreal prison in italy is a all-women's prison and it's very common that this is where the wives girlfriends you know women of the mafia are sent um and so while Pepetta is in prison she actually gives birth to her first son Pasqualino because
0: she was um in the first trimester when her husband was murdered yeah oh, okay so this all happens really yeah. quickly
1: yes yeah so she, yeah she's convicted fairly quickly
0: Oh, wow. I mean, the U.S. criminal justice system, I guess, could take some notes. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Cornell. (laughs) (laughs) From like the 1950s.
1: Um, So Papetta was allowed to raise her son in a modified prison cell along with other incarcerated women until he was four years old. Um, In the book review, which in a different book, not this book, um, named the Dringata Children Review of Social Science, Rosella Marzullo recalls that in mafia families, it's the mother's duty to instill in her children silence, gender difference, and the contempt for public authorities while simultaneously playing the role of custodian of honor keeping the flame of vengeance for the offended men alive. So to a certain degree, this explains why the prison system and specifically these women's prisons in Italy
0: can be considered mafia school. Because the, then that positions the women, the mothers, as the teachers, correct? For the first four years? hmm okay.
1: okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they've been sent to prison typically to um, because of crimes of assisting their husband or drug trafficking or cigarette smuggling or whatever that's something like that um is why they're in prison and so then they keep all of these they're as it says the custodian of honor for their mafia families and so they instill that in their children from a very young age however um even though papetta got out um in 1965 this was not the only crime for which she was accused but it was the only one for which she was convicted so in the early 1980s, she was accused and investigated on the charge of ordering the revenge murder of Ciro Gala, Gali, Ciro Gali um, who was a henchman for one of his arch nemesis. And just four years later, she was invest- she was investigated for the beheading of a criminologist and forensic psychologist, Aldo Semerani, um, and she was acquitted on both okay, crimes. Okay, wait,
0: because you just glossed over beheading. You started this out saying that they were well-known for their little switchblades and now we get to beheading. Mm-hmm. Like, how, Trafina, yeah. is this something she picked up in her <laughs> prison? Um, like, how not being does against. she jump from, okay, guess how does she jump from Switchblade to what I assume <laughs> is like a machete to behead a dude?
1: We, so, okay. Um, so a few years after her release in 1965, a friend from prison set Pepetta up on a blind date. So Pepetta began seeing Umberto Amaturo. Umberto was a Camorra underboss, so the match did not set Pepetta back in her standing in the Camorra clan. Very important. Umberto was the handler of the Camorra's emerging cocaine routes in Southern America and was fluent in Spanish. So he also was known as the crazy one. Oh, that's that's rich. That's ironic that in this relationship, (laughs) he's the crazy one. He's the crazy one. Okay, yeah. Um, and so he was prone to violent outbursts against Pepetta and unfortunately her son Pasqualino. Even so, they hit it off immediately. And although they never married, Pepetta soon became pregnant with his twins. When Pasqualino reached his teens, there was a lot of tension in the house. He was handsome, he was built like his father, a point which Pepetta often reminisced about. And in 1972, a few months after his 18th birthday, Umberto set up a meeting with Pasqualino under the guise of a truce, offering to help Pasqualino build his contacts with the Camorra. The two planned to meet at the Neapolitan construction site on the day that they were pouring the cement foundation for a four-lane highway. Pasqualino was never heard from again. Yeah,
0: he's then. underneath that highway. Yeah, they, they like, lethal up and threed him in the cement for sure.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm so although Pepetta had her suspicions she still remained with umberto and went on to become they went on to become a criminal power couple within the Camorra, which also eventually landed them a joint conviction for the murder and decapitation of decapitation of samarari right <laughs> I'm gonna get these sorry to anybody from italy listening as i butcher all these names i really tried so who was actually so you, you Semerari was a shady shrink who um, had actually previously helped Umberto evade conviction um, for a charge much earlier. He um, had said that he was, instead of going to prison, Umberto was sent to like a psych hospital and was able to escape the psych hospital.
0: So this is the, the same guy that's like the criminologist. Okay. Yes.
1: Yeah. So... Umberto and Pepetta together ah. committed are well uh, were tried for the murder and decapitation of the forensic psychologist. But she's
0: just going to like forget that her son is is gone and she I mean she girl you know she like she had to have known. How much of this do you think is self preservation?
1: A lot okay. of it. And we, I will we'll talk about that a little in a little bit, but yes, a lot of it is especially because in Italy at that time, um, women did not have a lot of standing. Not unlike America at that time, They you know they didn't have their own bank accounts. They didn't, you know, they weren't standing by themselves. They either had to be tied to a husband or their father in some way.
0: Okay. And she's she's made now this linear movement in the Camorra with the quote unquote right. crazy one. And she's taking up mm-hmm. beheading as a hobby. So I, I wonder if, you know, <laughs> she she was she was scared to to leave or to you know rock the boat too much with this with
1: this guy okay okay um so i did want to talk a little bit of course as i always do about the beheading just so you have a little bit more context um so the doctor uh, disappeared under suspicious circumstances from the royal hotel in naples in late march 1982 his body from the neck down was found a week later in the trunk of a burned out car with his decapitated head in the front seat he had been tortured based on the broken bones and cuts and hung upside down to bleed out, undoubtedly while he was still alive. An extra cool touch that was meant as a warning for
0: others. That's, that's gnarly. That's gnarly. Right? So in the book
1: writer, this kind of is directly from the book. So in the book writer, she says, when I asked the forensic scientist how difficult it would have been for Pepetta and Umberto working separately or together to behead the doctor, I was told that they likely would have needed to use an electric saw, which cuts through bone much more easily than a blade. So the fact that the doctor had no blood left in his body would have also made it um, an easier and cleaner job. Is
0: anyone a butcher in this? (laughs) This, <laughs> right you know
1: Kimora No, now? Well, I No, her father was not a butcher okay. Um, I forget what he did but he was not a butcher but within the Kimura clan yes I'm sure okay. there was Uh, I'm sure there had to you know if if any story I've heard about the mafia is ever true <laughs> right any right.
0: movie I've ever watched there at, has least, to be at least one butcher one, and right? a couple garbage men <laughs>
1: right I'm <laughs> just saying <laughs> um because, right? you know, as I read these stories, I'm like, this sounds like all the movies that I've ever watched, but it is actually true. So there is some truth, some truth to all the movies that we've seen. Um, before, so Pepetta and Umberto, it, they, I think they, I forget what story they tried to spin originally. Um, but they had, you know, they tried, uh, they of course tried to come up with something as to like how they didn't do the murder, but the police quickly figured it out. Um Accused them of it, but before they were, so they went to trial, but before they were convicted, before it was final, Umberto was actually able to escape. So he escaped Italy first, he went to Africa, and then he went to Peru, and he left Pepetta to face justice and raise the twins by
0: herself. Typical man yeah what is he's just like you take care of the kids and you deal with the consequences of my shady yeah. behavior by i wonder um <laughs> does peru or does sorry does italy like adhere to the same like extradition policies as the u.s i wonder if like peru's somewhere where he couldn't be extradited from i'm probably saying this. no from- well they couldn't find him oh, okay they just couldn't find the, him. yeah the bigger thing is that okay. they couldn't
1: find him yeah Th- the only reason that we know that he went to africa and then peru is because they eventually did find him and he was brought back, um, but he um, he escaped, and then that's where he went, but they couldn't find him. Um, there is a part in the book where they talk about a lot of these mafia men that go into hiding and go underground, and a lot of them take their families with them, and they will be in hiding and underground for years Um, some for 10, 15 years on end. And the police in Italy started um, catching on to them because there's one story, and I forget who it was for, um, a fairly high-up mafia boss in one of the clans. And the way that they found him is that he had been in hiding for years, and his wife suddenly surfaced again and started living in one of the local towns. And... She didn't lead the police directly to him, but for some reason, dry cleaning would always leave her house every single week, and so the police followed the dry cleaner um, to the place where this high-up mafia boss was hiding, and um, within the dry cleaning, the wife would like sew or stitch messages like little handwritten messages into the lining of it. And so that's how they pass messages back and forth from this high up mafia boss. Um, But what the Italian press did is they said in the press that it was that they found him because of his wife. Because they didn't want to release their sources that they were following these like handlers because they would follow like every male person that left the house, every dry cleaning person that left the house, like anybody that was leaving their house, they would have these people following them constantly. Um, And it was because of this like one dry cleaner that they were able to find him, but they blamed it on the wife and said that the wife had like
0: gone to him and lead and led them. To and him. this is another reason why i only buy um clothes that are machine washable
1: <laughs> right you cannot trust your dry cleaner. i can't ever just kidding there's a lot of good dry i know out there. we love ours um, sorry why is my- so uh even so he- um, Umberto left Pepetta to face justice. Um, Papetta then spent about four years in prison. And in 1983, after being released from prison, Pepetta was actually acquitted of her crime against Semerari after Umberto became a pentito. Uh, which. Pepetto grew bitter of Umberto after this point because he testified against the clan. So, Pentito is somebody who um, turns on the clan and testifies against the clan. And it was only at this point, right? This is what I was saying earlier. It was only at this point, not after, like, the potential murder of her son, not after him, like, beating her, none of that. It was only after he turned on the clan that she became um, bitter of him. And she then... Um, uh, he testified against, and then she then kind of like shuns him, calls it an unforgivable sin, like publicly calls it an unforgivable sin, and then proceeds to convince the twins to turn their back on their
0: father as well. It's almost like a cult mentality, and I imagine that she was was she indoctrinated in at a young age. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah, yeah. Her father was part of the Kamora. Yeah, you know, it's almost like the the people who try to like you know or successfully escape cults and then the the family that they leave behind are like, Well, they're dead to us now. And it's like that's that's what it took. Right. Not not to say that, you know, Mm um Umberto is as, you know, noble as someone like escaping Scientology, but it's like that's (laughs) the rub with her. That's her breaking point. That's it just shows like how how toxic the environment must have been that it had you know, that strong of a hold on her.
1: Yeah. And so it was um, after that point, Papeta, um admitted that when they first met, she was very much in love with Umberto. However, she does say after this point that the love died when he killed her son. And she recalls, sometimes I don't know why I stayed so long. The twins needed a father and I needed financial support, I guess. Women don't always make the decisions based on. Okay, heart. so there's the self-preservation that we were talking
0: about, right? Kicking, kicking in. Yeah.
1: All right. Um, so then, there isn't really like, much information about Papetta after this point. She claims that after that, she was no longer involved with the clan, and her involvement definitely diminished after its peak with the clan in the 1980s. However, her legacy as Lady Kimura would live on forever. Even though she insists that she has no longer had anything to do with the criminal past, her legacy will always be an integral part of one of the deadliest and most dangerous criminal organizations in the world. She was twice convicted of murder, tied to the Camorra, and suspected of dozen, dozens of um, occasions of mafia involvement. Her husband was a known criminal. Twice she had children with known Camorras. Her son had been arrested on suspicion of mafia involvement, and even well past age 80, she was never she never distanced herself completely from the underworld, and upon her death, she was described as the first female mob boss. So, it's a complicated mix of notoriety and fame. She is respected in so many circles of women. She's respected in so many circles of women who went beyond what was expected for her gender at the time. She was a killer even if the men she killed arguably, arguably deserved to die. Pepetta died in peace, feeling that she had no vendetta or debts to repay. Not many other women in the mafia will have such an easy time. I sleep easily at night, she once said. I have no fear of dying. And Pepetta died December 29th. Uh, 19 or 2021, in her home in Castellamar de Saba.
0: That's yeah. wild, Trafina. That was a year and a half ago. Like, hearing yeah. about this, yeah. it sounds like, you know, uh, centuries past, like so, so yeah. uh, old and, uh, you know, different than what, but, but I mean, this is a very modern story.
1: Yeah. I mean, it sounds, you know, when you say she was born in like 1939, it sounds like, A really long time ago, but she, you know, she was only in her 80s when she died. Um, And yeah, only a year and a half ago. And yeah, you think that things like this are happening so long ago, but one, society has changed quite a bit in that short period of time. But two, I mean, mafias in Italy although not as prominent as they were probably in the 1940s 50s up through the 80s which is when she was at her height um are I mean are still around this area of Italy where she lives um Castle Lamar de, de Sabia, it's right on I want to say they said it was on the other on the other side of like the um an inlet from, like, Castel de which is, like, a really popular tourist destination. And, like, you would never... They, you know, in the book they talked about, like, you would never come to this area unless you know. And this author, the fact that the author, like, lived in this area while she was tracking down all these stories, people were constantly, like, are you sure you're supposed to be here? Like, do you know what you're doing? Um, and I think she had to have as a journalist and reporter had to have some protection of her own at a certain point, um, you know, cause people were not very trusted. This her. is
0: one was the book, published? the author, not the, uh,
1: 2021. It was published right before, right. I want to say right after it was like finalized right at, right before Pipetta died. Um, because, the author makes a mention that she, is, she was supposed to meet with Pepetta one last time, um, but then she died. So I think this is either published right around the same time in 2021 or in early 2022.
0: Yeah, it puts it into perspective when you think that, like, this is our grandparents' generation.
1: Anyways, one of the things that... So I am um, taking my class on ethics right now, and one of the things we are just talking about in our class on ethics is groupthink. Um And it feeds so much into the mafia. So groupthink is kind of like the idea that um, a crime is happening and a bunch of people see it, but nobody acts on it. Like, you know, one, there was an example was given where one woman was like in a courtyard of an apartment building and she was being beaten. And there are 38 neighbors that all saw it happen and nobody did anything because everybody thought that somebody else was going to yeah, do New it. Yeah, New York yes. City.
0: And it's like the ending of Seinfeld.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not as funny, yes. but. <laughs> um. So, yeah, so it just, it got me thinking about how the mafia kind of becomes that group thing. And especially in these areas where um, it's so prevalent that um, everybody sees it happening, but nobody's going to do anything because everything's that somebody else will do something about it. Um, but also in this, in the same way that group mentality that the mafia has where like you don't, you don't say anything. Um, like everybody sees the fire but nobody says anything because somebody an authority figure says like we're not doing anything about the fire
0: yeah it's it's interesting and you know I have as you know I have an unhealthy obsession with cults and, and it's kind of like in, in the same vein like that I, I group think I assume is the more technical term I say like herd mentality um, and a lot of times yes. you see it on like social media and, and, and what not but um, I think, especially in um, organizations, whether it's a corporation, a religion, a cult, a, a um, you know gang or mafia type organization, where there's a distinct hierarchy, I think it might be easier mm-hmm. to fall into that group think by looking at the head guy and being like, "Well, you make the decision now. Like, it takes the the pressure off of the rest of us. You said that there's not a fire, mm-hmm. then we're gonna believe you because it's easier to follow the leader than." you know, go, mm-hmm. go against the, the school and swim, you know, in a different direction.
1: Yeah. And so we'll get into probably a little bit later. Um, obviously, in the ethics class, it's focused on ethics of business. And so when we look at the Gucci Corporation, we'll look at that group think also. But I think that's kind of um, the two of them together right like the way the mafia functions the way that corporate businesses function and the connection that group think has and how that um kind of perpetuates criminality uh, because higher like your higher ups are saying something and so these little things keep the group is like okay well they said it's okay so we'll say it. we'll we'll go ahead and keep doing it
0: now i do have to say you keep bringing up gucci and one thing about me is I do like my labels. Do, well, <laughs> I shouldn't say labels. I, designers. I like my designer purses. Um, and Gucci is one of my favorite. And I have a Gucci wallet that I adore. And so I'm a little nervous about what is coming down the pipeline from you, Because am I going to throw my wallet out the window?
1: Probably not. I'll, I mean, mostly because so... We'll talk about next time. Okay, okay.
0: We'll
1: <laughs> um, I'm sure a lot of people have seen the movie The House of Gucci, uh, which is kind of a dramatic take on the actual crimes that happen and Lady Gucci. Um, most of the, which we'll talk a little bit about, but most of the Goopi- Gucci corporation has been sold, right? So it's no longer owned by the Gucci family necessarily. And so a lot of the crimes that we'll talk is specifically about the Gucci family.
0: Okay, um. so I'm okay with my wallet. I, I need <laughs> yeah. to watch the movie between now and then because I, I'm a, yes, I, I love Adam Driver, but I have not right. watched this movie because <laughs> yeah, an excuse, but I heard his accent's yeah. terrible in it, and I don't want to dislike him as an actor, so I've I've stayed far far away from this movie. But now I feel like I should probably watch it before our next before our next podcast.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure you should. I haven't watched the whole thing yet. I only watched like thirty minutes so far. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't like un unwatchably bad. Um, so speaking of corporations and how the mafia is um, kind of like a corporation. So there was a study that was done in 2019 by Transcrime, which is an Italian research center, and they found that while only 2.5 percent of those um, who go to prison for the mafia are women. They are listed as the sole owners of more than one third of all confiscated mafia assets, and twice as many. There are twice as many women shareholders than in all of Italy's legal economy, according to the group. So I found this really interesting when I was reading the book because in corporations that we typically look at, right, women are. Um, not some of the biggest shareholders, not always the case, but obviously um, they hold um, not a lot of assets within the company. And they are also not, um, you know, ne- the I forget what percentages of the top 100 companies are have like a women CEO or a woman that sits on the board or um, female and c- that sits on the board Um And I found it interesting in comparison to the mafia where women are typically not, right, the bosses within the mafia. They're also not the CEOs of the mafia, Um, but they are also – they are one of the largest shareholders for all the assets. And part of that relates back to – confiscated assets right so if a if one of the men were to go to jail if the house and the business and the stuff are in their wife's name or their mother's name or something like that it doesn't get immediately taken away um but ultimately it does um if they're a wife or something like that if it's found that it's associated it would still get taken away um but um also, interesting that a lot of the women are not being convicted of the crimes. Um, and I know we talked about like men not really getting a heavy conviction for murdering their wives, but women are also not getting heavy convictions for small crimes within the mafia. I oh, so it
0: all evens out in the wash. <laughs> <laughs> right. They still get yeah. to get down. So I wonder if women <laughs> in the mafia do play a bigger role like behind the scenes than we then yes we've noticed they do especially like in the Hollywood's version yeah. of okay so because what you said about the like having you know stuff in the woman's name whether it be the the mom or the wife that mm-hmm. immediately made sense to me like oh yeah it's because you know if they go to prison it's just easier um like more of a seamless transition for until, you know, that's all taken away. (laughs) Um, But but at least like there's that, you know, you're not, you're not going to be buried in a mountain of paperwork trying to get the title of your house switched over uh, to the wife's name. Um, But I, I I do wonder who's actually running these organizations. If women own a third, more than a third of, assets and those are just Comp- confiscated,
1: confiscated assets. assets right yeah well and uh, there is a lot in the book about like pillow talk quote unquote right so a lot of the wives know about stuff because of pillow talk um and so they will know what's going on and there was a section in there about there was one um where there was a hyatt mafia boss who was murdered and theoretically his son took over Um, But it was very clear by a lot of who owned the assets and the decisions that were being made that it was actually the daughter, like the sister, that was making all the decisions, but nobody talked about it. Um, And she was the one who ended up owning, you know, everything and having, like, all the assets and all the money in the end. And I think eventually they did convict her, but – yeah they taught you know a lot of the a lot of the women that the author barbie met with um were all kind of they were behind the scenes they did everything but it was uh, there was a lot of women in there that um were were very much in control and much more in control than the society papers would lead you to believe
0: i kind of like it i know i'm not supposed to because yeah it's organized crime
1: but i, <laughs> I kind of love it yeah i mean I, you know i think it's one of those things it's i go back and forth on it right because um they do play such a high role but also the way that that crimes get handled in society like this ability for men to still and i think some of this pillow talk goes into this where um the reason that they're more accepting of, like, a husband murdering their wife who cheated is because they tell them all their secrets. And so if you cheat, then you're, like, telling, you're possibly telling secrets to somebody else. So it's kind of – it's super twisted. Um, that, that
0: screams cult mentality, too, because I think it was, like, Nexium awesome. that did that, where, like, you had to admit your deepest – and I think Scientology does this, too. You have to admit your deepest, darkest secret, mm-hmm. and then it's used against you. You know, should you ever, mm-hmm. ever try to leave?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And same thing, much like the cult. If women tried to leave the mafia, there's been some that have tried to leave and tried to take their children with them. And I think one woman was like, this is a trigger warning, but she was, when she came back, she was like gang raped by a bunch of people um, while her sister-in-law and mother-in-law were present and like directing it because she had like left her that you know their um her husband and so the the women directed this to happen because um she had betrayed her husband um and there were other lots of rape within the culture is um very rampant and kind of like papetta kind of talks about it in one point where um she's Accept, she's kind of accepting of it in the sense which I, I found very icky about her, but um, it, in the sense she's like, Well, if it's justified, you know, which is ugh,
0: like, come on, for all the things that she did, I know, but then you know, you have to take into consideration like the culture in which like these women are yeah. a product of, like Italian culture. Yeah. Uh, we can sit here all day and say, like Oh, we're from the Bay Area and we're. Gonna, you know, project our bear area of views onto onto this um, specific part of Italy, and while obviously we're right, it's it's still they they've been so ingrained in this for years, for you know, decades, centuries, even. Like I imagine that that takes a lot to unlearn.
1: Yeah, to change that. Yeah, to change that kind of mentality would take many many years. And I, you know, I don't know, I don't, you know. Uh, how far the laws are behind on certain things right um you know i'd have to do a lot more deep diving into italian law to find out that kind of stuff but um you know i know in california we have a lot of protections but that doesn't necessarily extend to every single state within the united states and so obviously it's also not going to extend internationally um everybody's going to have different views and different laws about things and handle
0: things differently. Whether I think they should change or not. I don't get to vote over there. So All right, so I I'm looking forward to what we have in store. Can you give me a little preview? We're gonna talk about Gucci. We're gonna talk about Adam Driver. And Lady Gaga. I love both. (laughs)
1: Clearly, that has something to do with it. Now, we will look. So the story of Lady Gucci is largely focused on the wife, um, the wife of Gucci. And so we will get into um, not only the crime that she orchestrates, um, but the fallout that that has for the... Um, Gucci Corporation and then also the effect that it has on her daughter which I found interesting so we'll talk about that um, I have a bit more research to do and to finish that book before I dive too much into it um, and then our third podcast in this series will be live from Ithaca it will be probably a shorter podcast because I only have about 15-20 minutes to talk on that one more um, we will we'll We'll dive a bit more, and we'll talk about the comparison between um, how Papetta's crimes affected her role within the Kimura clan, and then how um, Lady Gucci's crimes affected her role within the Gucci Corporation.
0: So, just to clarify, Lady Gucci was not in uh, the mafia, per se. No. no, okay. Not that I know. Okay.
1: The this well. I think the people she worked with, maybe yes, maybe no. I don't know which clan they would have been in. I haven't gotten that far. Um, but uh, the crime more affects the corporation. Okay.
0: All right. I'm excited to see where we draw parallels with the, with the organized crime and the organization. Um, okay. Well, thank you for this. It's, it's nice to be back after, I don't know, 10 months. I know I still God. have an episode I haven't edited I from 10 months ago. Obviously you've been busy, <laughs> <laughs> right? With, with Cornell. So, um, I, I'm excited to be a part of this though. This is kind of right up my alley with higher education. Um, and yeah. I, I like hearing about, um, you know, it's something that I really have absolutely no, no clue. The only, so, yeah. Okay. Real quick, I do have ties to the mafia, I have to say, although I don't think they're alive anymore. Yeah. So um, my husband, as I shared, is Italian. He's from Sicily. And when, um, I don't know, his family had first moved to the U.S. from Sicily was like the 1930s or 40s, like at at the time that (laughs) Pappeto was coming of age, right? And so they moved to Los Angeles and his like great uncle was caught up in some like, you know, trouble there. And so I I think with the mafia in L.A. and his mom, I think that would be my husband's like great, great aunt or some some, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. um, was like, well, I'm going to send you back to Sicily because you're like involved in the mafia here. Like you need to go, you know, get back to your roots and da da da. So he went back to Sicily and we don't know if he joined the mafia in Sicily or if. The mafia from LA followed him to Sicily, but either way, he was he was murdered by the mafia. And R.I.P. to my husband's great uncle. But that's like a story. His family um, really actually takes—I don't want to say pride, because I really have a lot of respect for the King family. But but I think they um, they like to tell they like to tell that story that they they do have yeah. connections to the or did have connections to the Italian mafia. So that's my little. My little tie-in for this evening. My only, the only person I know, I met um, a very,
1: a, much a very old man in um, Vegas, and his name was Uncle Matt. I have no idea what his last name was. His name was Uncle Matt, and he used to run money for the mafia from Vegas to um, to LA. So he would be the guy on the plane with the briefcase handcuffed to his hand um, and would
0: fly back and forth from Las Vegas to um, to L.A.? Well, we, we definitely know in the United States the mafia is alive and flourishing in um, Vegas, especially with, <laughs> you know, the, um, the Raiders and the A's and the Golden Knights mm-hmm. now over there, whatever they're called. Um, Can't even get keep, keep track of it either, but... All right. Well, I'm looking forward to our next episode. Um, I don't know if she listens anymore. I think she forgets that I had a podcast, but um, I just want to say hi, mom.
1: I know my mom is very behind, but she should listen since this is for school. So yeah, yeah hi mom. mom. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right, bye. Thank you. Remember to call your mom once in a while.